0: Hello ladies and gents and welcome to episode 10 of the KDH podcast. Today we are going to be discussing mental health, exercise and feeling like a boss and I've got Michael Alua. Is it Alua mate? I always, I always read that and I'm like, can't, can't say it properly.
1: I, I, I kind of like when people butcher it a little bit because it's a good conversation starter. It's you, Joa, so it's very different.
0: I said, All right. So I was completely yeah, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been follow, I've been following Michael for about a year and a half and that is how i pronounced it. So completely wrong.
1: It's all good. Yeah, my dad's Spanish, so it's a bit of a weird one. So I, yeah, people have said it way worse than that. So you did well. Thank you.
0: No, that's cool. So just before we get started, guys, um, I just want to put a wee bit of a disclaimer in. Um, we are going to be discussing some points in mental health here. And obviously, me and Michael aren't mental health professionals. However, we have a lot of experience in the gym floor as coaches, online coaching, group coaching. And we are just speaking from experiences here, our own experiences and experiences as coaches. Are there Anything else you want to add to that, mate? <laughs>
1: No, you summarized it perfectly there, I think. No,
0: cool. Right. So before we get started as well, make sure that if you are listening to the podcast, that you are (laughs) screenshotting it, make sure that you're adding it to your stories on Instagram and Facebook, because that's how we share the message and get it out there more as well. So firstly, we're going to start off, mate. What is your story? Where did you start and what are you doing now?
1: Love it. Thank you so much for having me on, mate. I'm looking forward to this today. That's cool, man. So, um, I, my name is Michael Ujoa. I'm an online personal trainer, uh, nutrition coach. Uh, I have a background in occupational therapy, so I studied and trained as an occupational therapist about kind of five or six years ago. Uh, worked in that setting for a few years before transitioning over to personal training. Uh, it was supposed to be a, a nice little stopgap before I discovered what I wanted to do with my life and kind of six or seven years later, I'm still here, thriving, absolutely loving it. Uh, I'm a speaker, fitness writer, content creator, podcaster, basically spend far too much time on social media. Um, And that's pretty much me in a little nutshell. I'm um, just a bit of a nutrition nerd. Um, I've been online coaching mainly for around like two or three years now. And yeah, I've worked with clients in about 16, 17 different countries now. And I honestly believe we have the best job in the world.
0: No, we certainly do, mate. You're absolutely buying on. That's a, a good little introduction there, mate. Um, talking about um what you were saying there and we got sorry, I've literally just lost <laughs> what I was saying there. Um you know, <laughs> no, like so um a, a good point that you touched base on there. Someone one of my friends me and him were out for lunch on Sunday and he asked me, he said, What are you working tomorrow, mate? And I said, like I was like, just doing lots of different stuff. And then someone also asked me the other week what my hourly rate was, and I was like, Well, oh, you do, as you said, you, you do all this content creation all this different stuff and you are on social media quite a lot, but it is, it's like, I genuinely love it as well. And it's such a good, good yeah.
1: job. Um, so. What yeah, I, I like, it's funny you say that. Cause I think when people train as a PT, like I know I've seen other people sharing your stories and you've got a lot of listeners who are personal trainers or kind of just coming into the industry. And I think that's one thing that, that doesn't get spoken about enough on PT courses is you train as a coach, as a personal trainer. And you think, right, I'm going to help people with their exercise and their nutrition and then like a few lifestyle factors or whatever. But then I don't think you realize that you then have to kind of know how to navigate social media. You have to be good at marketing, website design, accounting, bookkeeping, like all yeah. these different things that come into play. It's, um, yeah, the skills that you kind of have to teach yourself, um, are, are, they're, they're amazing. Like I, I feel like such a, maybe making my head bit big here, but I feel like <laughs> quite a, well ra- a well-rounded professional from all the other stuff that I have to do for my job when when people say they're a personal trainer I don't think you quite take into consideration how much work goes in behind the scenes there no
0: yeah and like one of the you've just nailed it in the head there I always use the example of the metaphor snowballing and it's a perfect example of this like so many people ask me questions when it's starting off they're like what about this how many calories what about this and you're like just do it just start (laughs) doing it and it will evolve it will grow as long as you are consistent with it it will just keep going and like people are always saying things like I had a new client out today and he was going, God, I feel so unfit. And I was like, I'm not thinking about where he is right now. I'm, fi- I'm telling the things to do. So where nobody's going to be in a matter of months, but they are always focusing on the there and now. And I'm always just, I'm always looking ahead. I'm always thinking about what needs to be done here so that this can grow to here. And I think that's like one thing as becoming a self-employed personal trainer, like, that is definitely um, what I've learned throughout it. It's, it's way beyond. They just take, like, the six-week course is a shambles. Like, it is actually, like, <laughs> yeah. like they spend so much time on, like, programming. Like, it's, like, two weeks of the module on, like, genuinely just programming. And to be honest, like, a program is worth the, worth the piece of the paper it's written on. It's the execution and it's the... yeah. It's everything else. It's so much more to it than that. But I
1: think it's a bit like driving a car, isn't it? Like you, you kind of learn how to drive with your driving instructor, but you don't really learn how to drive until you're kind of out yeah. there and on your own. It's like exactly the same.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, I, I was talking about this recently. Like I was thinking back to when I was driving when I was 17. I was like, I should not have be been driving. <laughs> like it was so <laughs> so, so bad. Yeah. And I think that's the same as like a lot of jobs now, because a lot of jobs are getting people through fast because it's money, it's time it's it's cost. But again, this obviously creates, and I spoke about this in, in numerous previous podcasts, this creates a lot of the confusion that's in the industry. But the thing that I've always, I'm absolutely baffled by, and you'll know plenty of coaches like this as well, there are people that in 10 years, they will still be doing the same kettlebells class. <laughs> they won't have made any improvements. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's, there's like two different types of people. There's people that are open to learning and there's people that just aren't. And I think like Don't get me wrong. It's not meaning that everyone's going to go down the same route. And I suppose it's the same in fitness. People aren't just going to join the gym and immediately accelerate. Some people Mm -hmm. are going to need extra guidance. Some people are going to need extra coaching, but some people, you can give them nothing and they run miles with it. Do you know what I mean? You give them a mention, they take them out. Like literally, like you give them like, you're like, right, do this. you're like, holy crap, man, I can't believe what you've done.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's true. As I said, like we honestly do have the best job and, and yeah, you learn so much. Like once you start coaching, I always think when you first start PTing, it's kind of like an apprenticeship, isn't it? You finish that course and then you're still like really just getting started. And a lot of people go into PTing because they're promised like get a job. You'll get loads of personal training clients, 40, 50 quid an hour. And it's just really not like that. I think you have to accept the fact right at the beginning of your career, you're going to be earning pretty much no money. Um, (laughs) it's, it's worth grinding through though.
0: Yeah, no, definitely as it is. So moving on to the next part, mate, what is your priority as a coach now? And what's your plans for the future?
1: Oh, blimey. Uh, I think always sustainability is on my mind when I'm working with every client here. Um, my priority is, it always sounds like a bit of a crappy business model, but my goal is to always make it so that my clients are self-sufficient and they never need me in the future. Yeah. Um, so if you can kind of think of it like that, and, and my job is to... Uh, bestow all of my wisdom upon all of my clients. And I like to think that most my clients, when I finish working with them, are probably more clued up than most personal trainers that are within the industry. Like my goal is to teach them about why I'm doing every step of the process, making sure that the goals and the habits that we're introducing are going to be there long term. So that, I mean, all of us like having a coach. Sometimes I'll hire coaches to do my programming because it shakes things up. But when you know how to do everything yourself, it's an absolute game changer. So I think you probably feel exactly the same way, but sustainability is always in mind there.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I I totally do. And uh, I did mention this on the last podcast as well. The worst advice I ever heard was don't tell your clients everything that you know, because that will keep them there. And I think that, as you said, if you can get someone completely sustainable, they end up staying with you because you're a good coach because do you know what one of the most powerful things like I've had coaching I've, I've literally just hired a coach for the Ironman that I'm planning to do next year and um, see just having someone there that if you've had a shit day and you're like you just need to like just that person there to remind you that it's all right like things are all right you're doing fucking great just keep moving the yep. right direction that alone is a good enough reason to have a coach in place because everyone is going to have those days no matter what and uh, that's why I love it like there's it's not that you know that different clients are going to need different types of attention to different things Mm -hmm. as well. And some genuinely it's just programming and training others. It might be that they need you to constantly remind them to be in a routine others. It might be that they totally, they need clued up on nutrition more. So as it's, Mm -hmm. as it's a good job, man. So, um, that's really good. Yeah, also, it is, it's
1: funny when you say that because, like, sorry to interrupt you, there I mate. Mean, I think that's that's something that a lot of coaches, when they come into the industry, do worry about, especially when you're starting off, when you're kind of if you don't have many clients and and the income is so low, you're a little bit worried to. of give your clients too much confidence that they will run and not need you anymore. That's always going to be a worry. But I think you've always got to play the long game when it comes to health and fitness, um, especially when you're a PT. And I feel like if you can provide such a good service that that client doesn't need you anymore, the results and the word of mouth that comes from that client is going to be so much better than just providing a crappy service that keeps the client around because they're worried about what they're going to do when they don't have you around.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I I said this on my live yesterday in my group. I was doing a seminar into my online coaching group. And I said, I'm winging it. I said, I am completely winging it. I went like that. And everyone is. Don't let anyone kid you on. Everyone is winging it. Obviously, there is a backbone. There's a structure in place. But, like, I was sitting saying, like, see the beginning of the lockdown, I was actually sat on the Sunday going having a bit of a meltdown, going like to uh, my girlfriend, Ailey. I was saying, what the fuck do I do? Like, what do I do here? Like, what is going to happen? And then from there, it's just evolved and turned into something. And I think that's like, and as I, was, I mentioned it earlier on as well, like, just do it. The minute you you just do something, I sound like Nike, a Nike advert. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the minute you start doing something, like the ball starts yeah. rolling, it generates momentum and it just keeps growing and growing. And think about that with your your fitness goals, think about it with um, any aspirations that you have at all, but the one thing that so many people don't do is they don't have a plan and they don't take action. In mm-hmm. taking action, you might make mistakes, you might have bumps in the road, but you will learn from them. And if you keep doing them, it's just stupid. If you keep making the same mistakes, it's, they are decisions. They're no longer mistakes. So obviously, that's a big one there. But uh, moving on to the next question, so kind of tapping into the sort of the mental health side of what we wanted to speak about there it's not specifically targeted at one area it's just all different topics talking about mindset training beyond physique changes michael and fat loss what do you think training can actually do for someone because we get so caught up in this like as a society i train people all the time that are constantly comparing themselves to other people what do you think training can do for someone beyond
1: that Oh, it can change your life, and I know that sounds quite uh, out there, but it, it really can. I think when like a lot of clients come to you, they'll have these set goals that they go for. It might be kind of like I want to lose two stone, say as like a random goal. And I don't think people really start delving into the intricacies of that enough. And I think that once you start getting into a good routine of doing exercise that you enjoy, eating food that makes you feel good, and just focusing on your general well-being, I feel like getting a an effective training or nutrition program down can really be a catalyst into every other area of your life improving, whether that can be relationships, business, career, like absolutely everything. Um, I think like, as we mentioned at the start, mental health is a huge one. Uh, It's one of the main reasons that I lift weights. Of course, I love to look good with my top off. Who doesn't? Like I want to look good in a t-shirt, but it goes so much deeper than that. And I find that as soon as my training goes out of sync, if I kind of fall off the wagon slightly or if I am maybe overdoing it and not focusing on why I should be exercising my mental health just starts to get really really bad and I feel like yeah it's one of the most underrated aspects of exercise as I said people come to you with these kind of weight loss goals and, and whatever they want to achieve but the mental changes that come from it are far more important
0: yeah no definitely and um, I think tapping into the mental health side of things they like I've got clients that are, uh, that I've, had, I've trained people that are mental health professionals, uh, people that are just general nurses, um, doctors, all people in these sort of different medical practices, and we have the discussion talking about like the impacts of exercise and obviously a strong mindset. And I think the cliche is is like people heal. Like, imagine someone with terribly bad depression; telling them to go and train isn't going to fix that. However. Mm-hmm. Your actions and your environment throughout your life have a massive influence on where your head is going to. Like, um, I was listening to a podcast with Paul Walt yesterday, and it's like people with their decisions can really. No one wants to be depressed. No one, no one just gets it. It happens over a period of time. And um, there are things like we were speaking about it as well. It can be a chemical imbalance in the brain. But again, like Matt, like what you do in your life throughout your life. Like I know fine well in the UK. People take recreational drugs every single weekend. They go out and drink every single weekend. That then has an adverse effect on how you feel throughout the week. You might not train that week. Then it starts snowballing in the other direction. And then all of a sudden, like, I've, I've trained so many people where they're coming in and when you're doing a parkour form, they're sitting down and they're talking about they're on antidepressants, um, all these different things. But then you start digging into their, their, light, their lifestyle and they're sitting up to 1 a.m. every single night and then like, how long have you been doing this for? Well, it's, they're not even batting an eyelid at it. And you're like, so you've been doing this for the past five years. And like, just like, but then that starts to mount up. They're not productive the next day. They still maybe start to gain weight because they're making po- poorer nutritional choices. They're maybe unhappy in a relationship, and a job. That alone, all of that compounds massively over time to have a massive massive impact and I'm not obviously I know that people do not choose mental health. I know that I know people that have suffered really badly from depression, anxiety and it's actually horrible to see that happen to someone. But at the same time with the way that we're lazy as a society. We have we've, we've got an abundance of technology at, at our fingertips. We can literally order food to our door in a matter of minutes. We can order clothes. You can go to Amazon, you can I I ordered stuff off Amazon the other day and it was here within 24 hours. Um there's just
1: same day delivery, man, that just blows my mind.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And like <laughs> yeah. I just think that like people sometimes like it's, it's the same with like fat loss, people overcomplicate it. When you strip it back to bare bones, it is just one mm-hmm. principle. When they build muscle, people try to overcomplicate it with fancy exercises. Well, again, yeah. people look so... Yeah, cool. I
1: mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be... Of course, I would never be kind of so bold to be like, oh, like you don't need the medication or, or yeah, there, there's, a, there's a reason. I know what this reason is that you're kind of feeling the, or experiencing these mental health issues. But I feel if you can change your lifestyle in a way that puts you in the best possible way for recovery then you're giving yourself the best chance that you can to help improve yeah. your mental health in the future so i yeah especially nutrition i think nutrition is massively underplayed too uh, i think it is it stems from personal training courses as you mentioned just being pretty useless when it comes to new, uh, nutrition advice they follow the government guidelines which for most people, just a non-existent, we see what's happening in the news at the moment with what Boris Johnson's suggesting as, as how we're going to help with the obesity crisis. And I just think nutrition is massively underplayed. And if, if that can be a strong focus, then as I said, you're going to put yourself in the best possible position for hopefully feeling better in the future. And yeah, yeah, I know you put a strong emphasis on nutrition too, which is awesome, but not not enough coaching to do Thanks for tapping into that because
0: sometimes I don't want to come across like I'm I'm one way like oh well, you don't need this I'm not trying to say that at all and like mm-hmm. that's it's I was a bit nervous about this podcast before because the minute you you mention mental health it's like oh like I yeah. don't know how to go about that but I think like our jobs that we're in I have seen what uh, implementing a solid routine progressive exercise what it can mm-hmm. do for someone, what it's done for me. Like I used to be genuinely really unhappy in my job and exercise has led me to doing this podcast today. Mm-hmm. Like doing this, like, that, like that's what exercise has done for me. And I think people yeah. get, they, they sometimes look at it and like, what's throwing a dumbbell gonna do for you? What's going out mm-hmm. for a run? What's downloading Couch to 5K? They're looking too closely and you're like, no, no. You don't realize that it gives you a purpose, a very, mm-hmm. very big purpose. And I think when you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a routine, that's when you can really start feeling low. That's when obviously you could potentially set yourself up for f- future, like obviously implications with <laughs> your mental health. And that's what I'm trying to get at. That's, that's probably a better summarization of coming back to that. I was talking
1: more yeah. about- Yeah, no, no, you, no, you summed it up well, mate. Don't worry. And it, I think it's, yeah, you're, you're right. We really struggle when it comes to, to talking about mental health and everyone's always worried, especially about putting ourselves out there on social media. We're always worried about saying the wrong thing. I am too. Every time I, I record a podcast, I listen back and I'm super critical of everything that I say. But I think it's a starting point and these conversations need to happen. Um, and I think it's also people think that um, they need to do too much as well. Um, if Especially if you're not in a great place mentally. I think people look at like a fitness journey ahead of them and they think that they have to be exercising four or five times a week. They have to be doing meal prep. They have to be making sure they're getting all the right sleep and they're drinking enough water and not getting stressed. And I think if people can just really focus on the basics and nail those first, it can be a great platform to build upon. And then you can further build upon that when you start to feel a little bit better too. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's an interesting topic. And as you said, we, we never want to kind of step out of our little personal trainer bubble and, and uh, encroach upon another um, healthcare professionals area of expertise but yeah. it definitely can have such a huge impact and I think that personal trainers need to step up and and fill that void slightly
0: yeah and the reason like I, the reason I got more confident with it was when I'd speaking to spoken to anyone at my book camp there was a mental health professional and we spoke about it or a nurse or a medical professional and they were like you need to vocalize that more because mm-hmm. it's like it's so true and I think like i don't want people to think oh you need to exercise you're going to feel better for that as i said that's not going to do anything there and then like however like your habits over a long extensive period of time are a reflection of you in the future as well like what Mm -hmm. what you're doing now is going to really really mold your future self that's probably Mm -hmm. a better analogy to break it down like that there so um yeah um moving on to the next point mate because that was uh we kind of really went off in that one there because it is a massive thing like exercise that to be honest like i kind of wanted to add into that i I mentioned already (laughs) that it got me into doing the job that i'm doing today and i also touched base on saying that i've had clients that have went because i've mentioned like like after people come and you've probably had it as well mate where their execution exercises ace right they are a hard worker a committed person (laughs) they're they're just their mindset's (laughs) not in it and you start to realize it's because they hate their job and you're like (laughs) See that the effect that can have, and I've probably mentioned this in the podcast about five times. But see if you are that unhappy, you're only here once, and hopefully, throughout lockdown, if maybe don't look at like if you were in a job and you hated it and you got made redundant, look at it as a good thing, don't look at it as a bad thing, and look at it that it's, it's a blessing in disguise as well. Because, like, that's it's probably a very I thought about it's pretty optimistic thinking. I was like, no, it's it's, it's a decision on your mindset, it's like. Mm-hmm. how you want to choose to uh pursue something or like how, how it looks and i think that's a big one there so um no yeah moving on to the next point mate mm-hmm. from your experience coaching and personally what does training do for your mental health we kind of touch base on that a wee bit there but like when you go to the gym what do you like do you, have you missed the gym throughout lockdown how have you felt with home workouts and stuff
1: yeah, I, I mean, I definitely have. I've had some really good workouts at home. I've been pleasantly surprised with how good my training's been at home. But I think that's because I bought some resistance bands and kettlebells, so it's not felt too difficult. Um, but yeah, mental health, as I said, is a big part of why I train. Um, like as a kid, I was naturally a bit of a funny looking kid. I was super slim, very underconfident. Um, and I think that training, especially strength training, um, it had a huge impact on my mental health. It just kind of made me feel a bit more kind of self-confident, maybe feel a little bit better about myself. Um, I know that we never want to make the physical changes of exercise, like the priority here, but I think that it's still a perfectly healthy yeah. healthy and uh, fine thing to talk about. Um, I mean, I'm not one of those personal trainers that that constantly post pictures with my top off. Like I don't feel like especially like the client base that I'm attracting. I don't find it's that helpful, but um, like I want to exercise and look good with my top off because I feel good. That impacts my mental health and that can really help. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the mental health aspect is why I got into, which you mentioned the Ironman as well. Like I did an Ironman 70.3 a couple of years ago. I really got into my kind of running and swimming and cycling. And even though that was stepping away from the physique changes that I was trying to achieve, like building muscle was my main goal before, I found that the mental headspace, and the mental clarity that I gained from doing an event like that um, was an absolute game changer. And now I'm a huge advocate of cardio, even when you're trying to build muscle, I'm a huge advocate of cardio. Um, And I think that especially from doing an event like that, for some people, an Ironman event is probably maybe a bit outside of their scope, or it's just not something they want to achieve. But even if let's say that you're completely sedentary now, aiming for a 5K can feel like a huge undertaking. And I feel that signing up for an event like that, training for an event like that can completely change your life. Yeah, Yeah. and that sounds, that's, that's a bold claim, but I do feel that, Training for that Ironman 70.3 event has given me a completely different outlook on myself, my capabilities, what I can achieve with my business, what I can achieve with my life. And I strongly encourage anyone to sign up to an event that scares them a little bit because yeah. it can just give you that push to, to change every other area up.
0: Yeah. And can I going back to tying in that? Like me, I'm the same. I'm a big advocate of lifting weights. I do CrossFit. Um, I love running. I have recently got a bike, signed up to Ironman. I'm going to be doing triathlon I love it. Hey, like, I,
1: like, it's it's a fun journey, but there's yeah. going to be some horrible days. Embrace yeah, them. Well,
0: that's what <laughs> um, My coach got in touch with me yesterday. He was saying that. He's like, I'm looking. I seen a cycle that I've done yesterday, and he was saying, I'm looking forward to getting you. I'm doing my first. We're using a system called Training Peaks. And he's yep. doing all. So basically, it ties in with your Garmin, And he's doing my, my first trial session on Sunday and Monday. So I'm looking forward to that. But he, he did. He mentioned on the phone, he's like, we're going to train you. To, to do your best when you're feeling your worst and I was like I'm b- buzzing for it but like yeah you, see when you do these challenges like a lot of I've done a lot of different challenges I've done one halfway through lockdown it was a thousand burpees and um like doing these sort of things like I love what they teach you for yourself I love what you gain from it like like and it mm-hmm. does it does sound cliche but you learn so much about yourself like that you go at like that fuck me I just put myself through like two hours of hell or well, last year I done a 24-hour event and uh, over an errand called Unbreakable and you do these things and you go Jesus Christ man I'm still standing And I think like what I always tell my clients I do a lot of conditioning sessions outside my boot camp style training and a lot of just sort of gritty work just to get mm-hmm. full, really fit and I'm like, you don't need to realize that a lot of people say um, statements like, oh, it's, it's 80% uh, mental and it's 20%. And I'm always laughing. I'm like, who the fuck made these up? Who made these these stats up? It isn't it isn't any sort of divide to anything. However, physical readiness will take you to a point, but then it just ships onto pure mental hardship. Like, <clears throat> it genuinely comes to a point where you're like, your body's in bits, you're tired, but it's still functioning fine. You're able to fire yeah. through all cylinders. And you're just in your head like, holy shit, man. But then see, after that, you you get this buzz. It's actually going to make mean, it sounds crazy. I get a shibbles thinking about it, but like <laughs> you come away it's from true. it and you're like, you're like, I feel like I could take on the fucking world. If someone could throw a brick at me right now and I would still keep shifting. Yeah. Like, I don't know.
1: Have you read uh, the book by, I'm looking over there because I think I've got the book over in the room. I can't, uh, Ross Edgley's latest book. I don't yeah, know if I just read it. I just yeah. finished it. So I love how he talks about like the 40% zone that the American yeah, yeah. commandos talk about, how like you kind of think you're at your limit and that's it. But really, yeah, that's 40 capability like, um, of it, our capabilities. I love it.
0: Yeah, so it's the, what is it? Um, I, I can't remember. I've been talking about it nonstop. It's, it's got central governor theory. And um, basically, it's talking about the 40% rules, of the US Navy SEAL. Um, that's the one. And it's basically talking about that when someone thinks they're at their absolute limit, the reason that your head's telling you that is because it's essentially trying to defend itself. Mm -hmm. And what Ross Edgley sums up is there is no way to, um, to basically build resilience. It's only for a matter of time, but it's so interesting to see the stuff that he, he completely defied um, all sports science and the, And like that, that is another level. And the thing
1: about Ross Edgley as well that I love about him is he seems like a genuinely nice guy, which is a rare thing within the fitness industry. Um, Unfortunately, there's so many people that I've looked up to personally and professionally that have turned out to not be the characters that I think that they are. But Ross Edgley genuinely seems like one of the good guys and he's an absolute animal as well. I know, like Like, if you you don't follow Ross Edgley,
0: and mm. um, that book's basically about he swam around the uk uh, you did de- you heard it right he swam mm-hmm. around the uk but there's a guy actually there's a guy paddleboarding around the uk right now <laughs> i've heard <laughs> about this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but like that's what i love about fitness like mm-hmm. someone does something and they <clears throat> open up this doorway to like holy shit more of us can do this like yeah. someone breaks like yeah. like um roger uh, bannister broke the four minute fi- four minute mile No one thought it could be done
1: and there's now over a thousand runners that have done it yeah it's a mindset thing like it's the way I like to look at it is we all have like this ceiling that we that we imposed upon ourselves and I feel like we need to do some sort of event or something that pushes out of our comfort zones and then it forces that ceiling even higher and then what you think with your life what you can achieve is is way more than you ever thought possible and then eventually you'll hit that peak and you'll then need to do something else to push it even higher but I honestly do feel that it's like that and people like Ross Edgeley when you see what the human body is capable of both physically and mentally it changes the game do
0: you know like i'm sitting like when i made this the the points for you mate i didn't like it said this is how i train i literally do this stuff all the time and i was just going i'm talking about gyms here and i love the gym i love the gym for my headspace i love doing like i love the community and stuff like that but like see doing these endurance feats, so it doesn't even need to be endurance see someone running their first ever 5k that is a mammoth task that is absolutely mammoth And see that feeling you get when you accomplish that, it's so much better. Cause like, see looking at like your pecs and going, there's, nev- there's never a point where they're gonna get to a point where you go, complete it, mate. Like, complete that's, it. That's
1: exactly the thing. That's, I think that's what I got to. I was strength training maybe for like seven years, eight years consistently. And I kind of kept thinking like, like what's next? Yeah. Because let's be honest, no one really gives a shit how muscly you are other than you. Like, no yeah. one cares if you have abs other than you. So, I feel like there's always going to be, there needs to be something more than just physical changes. Um, I'm never going to knock people that have kind of competing in physique competitions as their goal. Like, if that's you, then, then good work. But I always feel like, yeah, I need something else. And triathlons was exactly that. Yeah. Like I, I remember getting to that finish line of that triathlon. I'm, I'm glad I was wearing sunglasses like I was bawling my eyes out like it's such an emotional roller coaster yeah. to see what you can achieve and the amount of yeah. hours and months of training that you've put in it's yeah I can't wait to see well we're both going to be doing our first full Ironman Man around the similar time so it's yeah, yeah we'll have to so, get some training we'll, sessions we'll, in together yeah
0: no definitely mate we'll be we'll be crying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely no yeah no that's um but like that is such a like Doing these things, like it, it, it does, it teaches you so much about yourself and like the, the work that goes into it. And I think, touching base on what you said there about bodybuilding, I'm not going to not bodybuilding. It's not, it's not my cup of tea. Because, mm-hmm. as I said, it, see at the end of the day, the end goal is to be judged by like four or five strangers. that they've, What is their scale? What is that scale, right? And mm-hmm. what I heard this. It was James Smith that said this recently. I think it was him. Arnold Schwarzenegger, with this walked-off stage, on his heyday being at the top and my my calf looks small like that like (laughs) there's no like there's no definition of perfection and i think now a lot of people are thrown into body but like they they, like it's became this i don't think it is so much now but i remember even like three years ago it was like people would get in the gym but i'm thinking about competing i'm like why is that your first thought when you get into the gym like and you need to be in such a strong mindset for that. And me, and my my friend Andrew, uh, Andrew Banks, he done a, a, con- a competition prep. Um, he came first in his category. It looked insane. The guy he was talking about it, and he says that like he's a strong headed guy, and he went it tested his relationship with food, and mm-hmm. it did for for a long time after. And um, he's he he said it was like mild body dysphoria. He was constantly like afterwards like that sort of phobia of like oh my god I'm fat, and you're like yes. sitting at a a nice healthy body fat percentage, but you deem yourself fat because you were unsustainably thin. And I think like if you are going to go down the route of bodybuilding, be aware of it. Like it's fair enough, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But be aware that that is a a tough, tough thing to do to be down at that body fat percentage.
1: I think that's why it's never interested me mainly because like I got into health and fitness because I wanted to improve my health. Uh, And I feel like when you get to the extremes of physique competing, that isn't Mm -hmm. healthy. And I think that needs to be advertised a little bit more than it is Like getting yourself down to crazy low level percentage body fat is not healthy. It's not sustainable. Like females that go into bodybuilding, I don't think they quite understand the long-term risks of dropping their body fat that low, Um, especially like menstrual cycle interruptions. And it can sometimes take months Mm -hmm. and months and months to repair that. So that's why it's never really interested me. And the kind of longer form cardio has because it feels Okay, it's still pushing the extremes, but it feels a little bit more health-focused, yeah.
0: I think. I don't really, it doesn't scream out health to me. That's the one thing it doesn't like, starving yourself doesn't scream out health. And that's why I'm like, like a lot of, and you see so many people that they don't go and do a contest prep, like, oh, I looked amazing. I'll become a PT. And you're mm-hmm. like, then they're putting fitness in your name and they've, they've done absolutely nothing fitness. <clears> like, they class walking as cardio. And you're like, come on, man, that isn't, that's like, that's, you shouldn't be like, placing walking as cardio everyone should be walking every single day everyone should be walking that's just a matter of life it's good for your mind it's not just good for energy balance it's good for your mindset it's good for your mental health Mm -hmm. it's probably when i'm the most creative when i'm out for a walk um Mm -hmm. i recently started this week as well mate um i've read it in three books now and i was like i need to do this my morning routine is pretty good in regards to um Probably comparing it to like Joe Average, it's like I'm up. At, I'm always up at an early time. I'm regimented. I've got a to-do list. I'm very, very committed to what I need to do. But mm-hmm. um, I found myself sitting up late on my phone. I found myself immediately reaching for my phone when I wake up. And I well, it's, I'm not even. I'm doing what as soon as I wake up. That's not good for you. Waking up out of bed, reaching for your phone. So the past week, I have been. I bought an alarm clock. And what I'm doing is, I'm setting my alarm forty minutes earlier than what I have every single day. So whatever the time is, I usually get up. And I don't. I, I reach for my phone, but it's only to put on a podcast. And I go out for a walk, and I've done that, mate. And I came back, and I've had a cold shower, and see how good I felt starting my day off. Like I've been learning, I've been thinking, I've been active, I've got a little bit of sunlight—well, sunlight-ish in Scotland, um, <laughs> fresh air—and mm-hmm. it's like I'm, I'm downstairs, I'm making breakfast, then I start my day. I've gave myself some time, I've done some learning, and see how good that is for your mental health. Like I know it's only been—I know it's only been four days. But that is like, I, honestly, like I'm starting my day and I'm like, I feel like I've been up for ages. I feel fresh. And some days I walk downstairs and I'm groggy. I'm like, I didn't sleep well last night. And then you're throwing yourself straight into work. Um, and it's not good for your head. Um, so obviously we're talking about not how not doing things is good for your head. Doing too much <clears throat> isn't good for your head either. So you need to find that balance. But again, you're going to make mistakes on the way of that balance as well. You're going to learn that that I I can't do this. Like I used to happily go into work at 6 a.m., finish at 9, have a split shift, then start at 6 again the next day. I I was basically just working. I would end up working for like 72 hours straight with some sleep in in between it. And I just wouldn't switch off from work. And I'd just be talking to Ailey about work. And she's like, Christian, shut the fuck up. Like... like, (laughs) Yeah. And it's not good for you. Like you need to switch off, and yeah. I think that's been something I've really been doing a bit, a of, bit of soul searching with since lockdown. Because I had mm-hmm. a really good relationship with work, work life balance, and it took me a good few years to to really develop. And then going straight back into lockdown, I went full on work. Like I, like mm-hmm. to, I knew the the importance of being busy, but now I'm trying to create it so that I'm getting the balance right again. So just I, I wanted to add that in, guys, because it it never stops. Even for us coaches, you're always looking at ways to improve and make things better as well. But you get anything any else to add into that? Makes that's just a bit of a random point. No,
1: no, no. I like it though. It's, I'm the same as well. I think uh, lockdown, because we're all in our homes a lot more, it's really difficult to separate like work, home life, uh, and, all, and all the stuff that kind of life encompasses when you're living in the same space. Uh, 24 hours a day. Um, so I've definitely struggled with that as well. Um, I'm naturally a bit of a workaholic anyway. I do tend to work quite long hours and I have regular conversations with my wife about how much I work and, and me trying to find a better balance with it. And I do try. Um, but yeah, that you do need to kind of look after your mental health on that side of things too. I know there's always going to be an element of when you first start up a new career or um, you're wanting to kind of reach the heights of an industry or you have some optimistic goals that you want to achieve. There's always going to be an element of working slightly harder than normal or than most people. But yeah, it's finding that balance is really important. And as you say about the morning routine thing, we've been doing the same this week, actually. It's funny you say that this week we've been setting our alarm an hour earlier than we have been throughout the rest of lockdown, getting up, having breakfast or going for a nice walk. And it is making such huge difference. My productivity throughout the day has been 10 times better this week.
0: Yeah. It's just that start to the day you wake up and you're like, you're not like, it's not that I, I don't ever not look for, I, I do really love my, my work, but yeah, it gets to a point where you're like, I think you have to start questioning what you're doing. If mm-hmm. you going into your work and you're like miserable at it because you need to either change it or as we were saying, we are someone that people that are very passionate about what we do, then it needs to be a routine that needs to change because that's obviously impacting it. But I always tell everyone that this thing that we call life, it never stops. It never mm-hmm. stops. And you're constantly tweaking it. And I think this sort of like have people have this sense of like, there's a perfection that there's this ultimatum they need to reach. Like I always talk to clients and they're like, my nutrition's has not been good this week. And I'm like, what's not been good about it? And they're like, well, I had a takeaway at the weekend. I'm like, right and i'm like these Good. are the people that have been <laughs> yeah, training yeah. with me for a while and i'm yeah, like yeah. i'm like what do you mean i'm like well well do you think that you're not allowed to eat that like do you mm-hmm. think that oh like, i've been really busy at work this week i've been busy with the kids and i've not been able to exercise cool are you going to continue exercising yeah i'm like well okay like folks yeah. don't get that it's like like and then i was talk, chatting about this another point i was chatting to one of my clients about the all day people see, it's not that it annoys me, but like all a lot of people base fitness on it is body transformation, right? And we're talking about what it does way beyond that. And I want to teach people that. I want to teach them the control they can have over their life, the they can eliminate the stress of having guilt over food that they eat. And that's what I want to do. And I feel like sometimes people work off of like, oh, did you see what that person done with them? And I'm like, yeah, that person dropped body fat because they were consistent with a routine, right? Mm-hmm. but like people just get so stuck on the things that they deem it like i'm like but you need to remember that that is that person that's made that transformation is still gonna they're not gonna look like that forever i'm not trying to take away yeah. from what someone's done and it's like like half the transformations i put up or someone got really lean they won't look like that i don't look the way i look in photos that if i put a photo up and i've maybe done a bit of a cut or something and i'm like super duper lean and like i don't look like that year round mm-hmm. like no one does unless you're a weirdo,
1: but. <laughs> I think it's, yet. no, I never have abs, it's fine. I've accepted that, I'm, I'm not bothered. By it. So yeah, I think that's it's the problem with the fitness industry at the moment is it's this all or nothing approach and that's it. And I think that people can, that need to realize that it doesn't have to be so intense and so um, kind of draining uh, as well. Like your fitness regime and your eating regime should supplement your lifestyle. It shouldn't be the other way around. And I think if people started to look at exercise and nutrition in that way, so many people would be happier with the process. Like, You don't need to be exercising five, six days a week. And having a takeaway is not the end of the world. Like, You should be able to do all of these things and it's all about balance. So that's why people like us need to keep championing that approach because there's not enough coaches doing it.
0: I always like the one where I've had this conversation with a few people when I'm pushing their calories up because Mm -hmm. they've been in a deficit for where it might either be like a bit of a a refeed where they've been in a deficit for four weeks and we're pushing them back up. Or it's the case of the like, Christian, I want to start adding a bit more muscle mass on. And I'm like, and they're maybe a, they're a lean individual. And it's this complex that, oh my God, I'm going to get fat. And I'm like, right, did you get, so when you got lean, did you get lean overnight? No, mm-hmm. it happened over a period of time. Right, it works the same way with overconsumption as well. You didn't get yep. fat in a day. It happened over an extended period of time because of your habits in life. And it's the same with maintenance people get like it's just i love that people are tracking data but i hate when people get so strung up in numbers they're like so what should my calories be today and i'm like somewhere between here and they're like what do you mean somewhere between here and i'm like there's no like there's no optimal number you need to hit like this is what folks need to get out of their head and i think this probably stems from the contest prep thing where these people have had their calories regimented for the past they need to hit this much every single day or less so then they teach people and spout out about spout out about it on social media, and people are like, "Oh, but this coach said that I need to eat this much carbohydrates, this much fat, and this much mm-hmm. protein, and I need to hit my calories at this much each day." And you're like, "No, you don't. You don't need to do that. What about my fats? Yeah. What about my carbs?" And I'm like, "Just fucking eat food. like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, just yeah. live within yeah. a range of whatever your desired outcome is." And you like, see, when I'm talking about tracking all the time, I see you chat about it as well. You don't need to track forever. Do it for like, I track like probably four times a year for like two weeks at a time. And it's, yeah. it's basically to reset. So it might be after Christmas. It might be before a holiday. I don't want through lockdown there. So that's that's three times in the, over the past year that I've actually done that. And I've only went for two to three weeks at a time you don't need to do it the reason that you I think do... that's the
1: criticism yeah sorry mate carry on now no,
0: you go in add on uh,
1: to it. I was just gonna say I was thinking that's what why so many people have an issue with calorie counting is because a lot of people feel like it has to be something that you do forever and it's not like calorie counting or, or tracking your macros whatever should be a process that you do for a set period of time and it teaches you the habits and the routines that you can then continue without tracking your calories and I'm yeah. exactly the same way every kind of like two three months or so I'll jump in I'll track for a week check that I'm around about the right numbers and if I need to start pulling back on certain things or I can increase my calories a bit further. And that's what it should be. It shouldn't be this this process that as soon as you go off track, that's it. You've blown it. Like game yeah. over. Like yeah, you've got it absolutely right. No, it's,
0: it's that sort of I love that when I tell someone that like yesterday I was talking to my client Chris and he was he was saying he was looking at me when I said because he's he's really he's been doing a lot more he's, his calories were when he started the me he's went through a good bit of a weight loss journey. He started off and his calories were low. They're still the same at what they were in May. He's now doing more exercise and a lot more activity. I was like, mate, they need to be higher. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. You Have changed yeah. not, not your metabolism, like your your metabolism will have taken a buzzword. There we go, hey, a little bit, yeah. I know, yeah. It technically, it technically yeah. would have because you'll there's less obvious. so it's actually went down, but um, so it technically has slowed down. But um, forget, I'm not trying to highlight that, I'm just, I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a black hole there. Don't go there, yeah. I know like people will be like, I was listening to the KDH podcast and Chris oh, said, he's and he's my talking metabolism. About metabolism. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but
0: yeah, so and he was he was looking at me bewildered when i told him to eat like between 25 to 28 today and he was looking at me like i was like mate you're not going to like that like that's only a couple of hundred calories it's it's it's, it's to give you the like the energy when you're in a, an energy deficit you're in a deficit you're in, you're in a negative energy balance you're going to be depleted you're going to start experiencing hunger spikes especially where like you're going to have reduced serotonin in your body as well you're going to feel sad and your sleep might be impacted and especially if you're doing a lot of training as well so you need to be aware of all these things like you can't just be like i'm going to diet till further notice like it doesn't work like that like you need to put some sort of formality and structure behind it um and that's the thing i know we've kind of touched into fat loss here but um it's such a everyone wants to get a wee bit leaner and everyone wants to know how to manage it, but you should be striving for maintaining rather than um being lean uh, all the time. Um and I think that's the sort of I get it a lot with females, um, and I think it's probably the Instagram and stuff, and like, I want to look like this person. I'm like, that's not you, you're you. Mm-hmm. So um, and a lot of people that maybe had children and stuff, and you're like, Look, you've had two kids, like you're gonna have a bit of excess skin. You've had a C-section. You're going to have that scar there. You're going to have your tissue's going to grow r- yeah. differently around that area. You're not going to look like that celebrity because they've had all this surgery and like it's just this. Com- I yeah, think it's just the, the
1: social media, isn't it? Social media, yeah, unfortunately, it kind of ties
0: mental health with it's that comparison. And I think what me and you touched base on there. And I was speaking about it yesterday is when you get that shift in mindset that goes from caring about purely aesthetics. To performance, that's a big, big step step, stepping stone in your fitness journey. When you start really focusing on performance, because it's like, look, I don't really like. I I I think I said my stories last week. I genuinely train weights twice a week just to keep my Mm shape. And uh, what the other stuff that I do year round is because I love doing it. I love the competition element. I love seeing what my body can go to. But when I do a cut maybe before a holiday, I get to see that sort of. I go, oh, so that's what all the hard work that I've been doing all year round is done and like I genuinely don't think about I, I remember like when I was first getting into weight train, I used to look in the mirror and be like all I want is that square chest see that that line down the middle and I don't I honestly couldn't give a fuck now like I genuinely like I'll hold my hand up and say That's it and, day, yeah. I, and it's like it's not that sort of way where I'm like oh I don't care but I actually do I don't I genuinely don't care and mm-hmm. That is a, a yeah. it's, it's funny
1: you say that because when I when I started training for the Ironman as well, like I was very scared about losing my muscle mass. Like I trained for years. I'm naturally quite a slim guy, so any muscle that I put on is is a slog. Um, so I was really worried, but it was amazing after a few months of stepping up my cardio, still doing strength training because it was still a priority of mine but I started to look way better when I started incorporating a lot more cardio than when I was just solely doing strength training. Yeah. So yeah, it is funny that when you start kind of exercising in a way that you enjoy a lot of the time, your physique results will just happen as an, as like a bit of a, a bit of an outcome anyway, without it being the sole focus. So yeah, I'm, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how you find kind of the, the tracking of the macros whilst you're stepping really into the training when you start doing those two, three, four hour cycle training sessions. Yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult balancing act when you've you still want those muscle building goals there, but it's yeah, it's a fun, yeah. And also, um, John was telling me that's my coach, he was saying that
0: throughout the actual process, he was like, ah, I'm going to incorporate resistance training up until the last eight weeks and then he mm-hmm. says that we'll be looking at obviously dropping your weight and stuff because carrying excess timber when you're like muscle mass as well not just body fat like is yep. every every single pound counts so it's the last thing you want to do i don't know me and my friend done a hundred mile cycle a couple of weeks ago well mm-hmm. a, about six weeks ago and like we totally got the nutrition wrong we didn't didn't take enough food and like i was eating i can't believe how much food I ate. i was actually like yeah. you're just constantly eating you're just like that's one of the things with cycling, you're just constantly putting food away. So you need to have that sort of uh, you need to have that fuel there. And um, so moving yeah. on to the next point, mate. Personally, I think that a solid routine is key for a strong mindset. What three tips would you tell someone that's trying to
1: establish a routine? I think the first one is, as we've touched upon already, is having a plan in place. Uh, And I know that some people don't thrive on having a very structured week, but I think that if you can, at least with like workouts per se, let's say that you're kind of, you're looking to kind of exercise regularly, but you don't want it to become kind of the sole focus of your week. I would make sure that you schedule your workout routine into your weekly calendar. Like I schedule my workouts into my routine as if it's like a business meeting that I cannot change. If a client wants to book in and that, that's my time. No one's booking into that workout space. Uh, and I feel that if you can start with that, things become a lot more consistent. Do you do the same with yours? Do you have like yeah, set yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, so I've go got, on? so right now I'm doing, to be honest, I usually do, mate. But um, this week um, I'm, I'm
0: doing all my online training, which I've now made part of my training. It's all like CrossFit style, EMOMs, AM nice. apps. So that's all set in stone. However, the cycling and running and additional resistance training that I do, I plan all that. So that's all mm-hmm. set in place. That's my non negotiable. So I want to hit at least one cycle and one run a week. And I want to train weights on my own at least once a week as well. So.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah, I feel if you just can, if you can schedule those sessions into your week, it'll make things so much easier. And then the, the next one, which is one that I say to a lot of my clients as well, is, is try and have a consistent bedtime and morning routine. And that's even on weekends. So many people, they get to the end of the week, they're tired from work and they end up having massive lions and it completely throws off their sleep for the next few days. If you can have a set time that you wake up, even during the week, even during weekends, your energy levels will be so much better. People feel like they need that lion to get extra energy, but I sometimes feel that that actually just throws things off and makes it a lot worse.
0: You're almost jet lagging yourself a bit. You're knocking off your circadian rhythm and i feel it like on saturday night i was at the pub with my friend and i was literally i got i was steaming and uh i got home at like i think it was like half 12 wasn't even that mm-hmm. late terrible night's sleep because obviously drinking alcohol you're doing yeah. it's not it's just an unconscious state the rest of the week i've been playing catch-up so even though i've been yep. doing this early rise that's been pure discipline because i've been exhausted in the morning because that's just mm-hmm. that so like that was an example of alcohol there. And I always tell people that like, I used to be very stringent of being like, you don't, I'd be like, people I be like, oh, I love going out on the weekend. And I used to be like, I don't want to be the person to tell that person they can't do it. But if you're going out every single weekend and you're wondering why you're not making any progress, that's your answer. So mm-hmm. make it, I would suggest, don't cut it out because I'm not the sort of coach that tells anyone to stop doing anything. But I would probably suggest for your physical wellbeing and your mental well being to do it. Twice max a month. That's what I would probably mm-hmm. suggest, like that there. And I know that a yeah, lot of people maybe listen agree. To, they're probably listening to this and being like, "No chance." But see if you are see if you are found that you are not making any progress. You've got all your structure in place, but it's because you keep falling off. I can guarantee it will be because of that. I can yeah, and
1: I think it's also no, no, it's so true. And it's something I say to my clients, it's I kind of have it as like a bit of a disclaimer on the bottom of all my nutrition plans that I write up where I say, I'm never going to tell you to not drink alcohol, like that's not my approach. However, you just need to be aware that if you do drink alcohol, sleep will be affected, food choices will be worse, and and everything just snowballs from there. And I think it's also not spoken about enough, the mental health impact of drinking alcohol too. It's something that I've spoken about a lot on uh, my social media, and I very rarely drink. Um, I think I had my first beer in lockdown a couple of weeks ago because it was my 30th. And I just find that every time I drink alcohol, my mental health massively becomes impacted. Um, And it got to the point where... I just kind of thought enough was enough. And if you're someone listening to this, I know it's very oversimplistic, um, but if you feel like every time you're drinking the next few days, that just stuff doesn't quite feel right. Exercise doesn't feel right. Your mood feels worse. You're a little bit more agitated, a bit snappy with the people that are around you. Like since stepping away from drinking, I honestly feel so much better for it.
0: Yeah. And like I, I know, like, I know the, the adverse effect it has on me. And I I never moan about it before that reason, because I know Mm -hmm. that. But I think, again, it's one of these things that, like, a lot of people, as I was saying, drug abuse, alcohol abuse at the weekends, and they're wondering why they feel like a bag of dicks. And you're like, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, man, like, you're doing this every single weekend. You're wondering why your skin's crawling, you're feeling anxious, you're like, you've literally answered Mm -hmm. your own question there. So that was
1: exactly that my, my anxiety levels would just skyrocket for days um, and it just wasn't worth it in the end and I know society nowadays is very alcohol driven you meet up with friends you go for a drink yeah. you celebrate a great occasion you open a bottle of bottle of fizz you know I think that it can be quite difficult to step away from that but I don't know I'm, I'm pretty stubborn so I don't mind telling my mates to jog on when they're trying well, to make me drink like, I was but...
0: like, when I was in the military it was like totally the culture to get wrecked all the yeah. time like and um, and I think that is, I was talking to my pal, uh, Lee Furwell, that I hadn't spoken to in, like, three years, and we were talking the other day. And we were, not the other day, it was, like, a month ago. And we were actually, like, see when I meet up with some of my friends in the military, like, when I talk to them, it is, like, we mm-hmm. haven't even, like, changed, but Lee's so funny. And we were actually laughing, going, how mental is it? That, like, he Lee, Lee actually had bad mental health issues, and mm-hmm. he knew that drinking massively impacted it, but it's so encouraged. And we were actually laughing, mm-hmm. going, how crazy is it that that is just so encouraged and they don't even question anyone's mental state. And it's like yeah. all these guys that are living in the block on their own and girls. And, uh, and it's like, they're just like, yeah, go and get absolutely pissed every single weekend. It's hilarious coming at the uh, work with loads of funny stories. And it's like, it's not actually, man, it's not a competition. Like, yeah. It-
1: it's not my mental health. I, I started just, I wanted to put my mental health first. So that was just my conscious decision just to be like, that's kind of it. So if there's like a good occasion, I'll, I'll have, kind of one or two drinks. Um, but I just feel like my mental health is far more important than a drink and enjoying it for a little bit. And do you know what? I know people will laugh at this that drink regularly, but non-alcoholic drinks are getting really good. Do you ever drink them or no, not? Yeah, don't, don't. Do you know what? It's, I was very critical of it at first, but you know what? They are getting really good. And there's a weird placebo effect as well. But I know that a lot of people are going to be listening to this going, please shut up fuck off michael (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah Uh, no I know. and like i never thought
0: like see if you went like to me like if i would be making a podcast talking about these points like three and a half years ago when i was like still in the marriage well probably a bit before that when i was still like four years ago i'd have been like do one no way would i be saying that but i totally reflecting back like to how i feel versus how i feel now like I i totally get it i totally do and that's what we're chatting about today and i think that's the exact same as what michael's saying as well um so moving on to the last point. Um for anyone did we have any more points to add into that or oh, that was I don't think so. No, I think we did. Nah, okay. That was no. good. Um, for anyone that's been struggling with their mindset throughout lockdown, what would you suggest that they do to get their head in a good space right now, mate?
1: Lockdown's been a weird one, hasn't it? I think there was those two camps of people when lockdown started, there was those that kind of just instantly thrived and made the most of it. And then there was those um, that that really struggled with it and things completely went out of sync. Um, and I think the first thing to to acknowledge is That this has been a pandemic and it's not a time for personal development really is it? Um, Our main priority right now is just getting through this period of time and surviving so if you have any kind of guilt or you're really frustrated that you haven't made the most of this time I yeah, d- try not to think like that. Um, and then just the cheesy saying of kind of just think about what you can change moving forward. Um, you might not be able to jump straight back into your routine that you were doing before lockdown. You might have been someone who exercised regularly, you had a really good diet, and now not so much. Just focus on the small changes first. That's what I say to a lot of my clients. Some of them dealt with it brilliantly, some of them have really struggled, and it's taken a few months to kind of get things back on track. And just start with really small uh, building blocks. So it might just be, getting that step count back up again. Start drinking a bit more water every day. Let's aim for like one or two workouts a week. Whatever it is you're doing now, just focus on a little thing that you can do to improve it and then build upon that when it becomes habit. But most importantly, just be kind to yourself because it is a very bizarre time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh,
0: for me to add into that is like, we spoke about it already, but a solid routine. um, And it could could literally be as simple as working on getting up a, a little bit earlier switching your phone mm-hmm. off at a certain time in the evening because i think we are like I, I did speak about this earlier on in the podcast i said that um i was realizing that i was diving straight into work and i, and I know that that wasn't good for my head mm-hmm. i've actually had points in my my fit in, even throughout lockdown where i've actually been like, a lot of people always see me on social media and they go god christian's doing so well and i'm like you don't know how hard i work like mm-hmm. like people think that or that they go that like, they work hard and it's like you don't realize that it's like it's just consistent and relentless as hell. And that can obviously, mm-hmm. throughout lockdown there's been a few points where I've been like, I can't stop thinking, like my head is just moving at 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour. So what I would suggest to you is like, have a plan in place and focus on making the tiny improvements that Michael was saying, but in areas that are going to be good for your head, spending less time in your phone, consuming more water maybe having a healthier balance with alcohol consumption mm-hmm. once every two weeks instead of every single weekend. And again, like I, like the reason why I, I say this is because it's what I do. I probably drink every two to three weekends and it's not even like, Oh, it comes up two weeks. Oh, I better start drinking now. It's been two weeks. I will only do it if I feel like it, but I never yeah. do it weekends back to back because it's happened a couple of times throughout this year. But I don't feel good for it. I feel like mm-hmm. it's by the time it's Friday, I'm only catching up on myself. And then it's back to feeling that way again. But see, thinking back to it as well with alcohol, like I remember back like years ago, you do build up a resilience to things as well. So maybe you don't think you're feeling like that, but like I have a drink now, and I like the, the effect that nine pints of beer has on me versus what it did four years ago is completely different. But again, it's a tolerance, isn't it? So but just Yeah, try- no, know
1: it is. Like I like I went to university as well and I drank fairly, fairly heavily for three years. I live with people that love to go out for a drink, and I did too. Um but yeah, it kind of, it's just, as I said, it's a societal norm. Like it's just expected, it's like what you're expected to do. Um, So it can be quite difficult to step away from what the rest of society is doing if it is so ingrained but yeah as you said you just ha- i have one drink now and my sleep is completely thrown off i know my tolerance now is far lower than it was before but i don't think you do fully understand the impact when you're in that good cycle of regularly drinking every yeah. almost weekend yeah i know and uh, apart from that guys we don't really have much else to add in mate would you like to add in anything for your business at all michael uh yeah, I guess if people want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Michael Ujoa PT. Ujoa is um, I do have my own podcast, if you don't mind me plugging it, of course, mate, uh, called Just the Fitness Tip. And it's on pretty much every podcast platform. Uh, I do that with my good buddy, Jason Auld. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it
0: no um, michael's content's absolutely excellent i've been following him now for i think about 18 months or two years or so and his content's absolutely spot on very honest and very good and he portrays himself in a good way so follow him if you don't already and he said he's handled there but apart from that ladies and gents i do not have anything else to add in all i have to say is if you have watched the podcast standard procedures make sure that you're screenshotting it banging it on your story and tag us both in it but um thank you very much for coming on the podcast today great chat mate
1: no, thank you so much for having me, mate. Much appreciated.
0: Catch you the back, guys. Bye.